Baron Bears fans, a very special episode of the Chicago Bears podcast because we're going to get to get a very inside look at the Chicago Bears salary cap and some of the major moves that they can make and actually understand the financials behind some of those moves because we've got Brad Spielberger on the show today, salary cap savant. He has analysts on the Twitter profile, but savant, ladies and gentlemen, from PFF. Want to welcome him into the show. Hit that like button. Subscribe to the page. Leave that five-star view. Y'all know what to do. Welcoming to the show, Brad. Brad, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. I guess I should go with Savant on the uh, the bio. I appreciate that. Dog, you got Brad Spielberger, Esquire. You got to go Savant. (laughs) Like... When I saw those three together, I was like, come on now, my guy. Yeah, the Esquire is a, is a big troll that I think people think I'm trying to take myself seriously. I mean, I am, I guess, technically an Esquire, but that is supposed to be a joke. But but anyway, <laughs> I love it, man. I, I felt like it is uh, it, it's very apt for the knowledge that we're about to get for this podcast. First things first. How are you, my friend? Good to have you on the pod. Yeah, I'm great. Yeah, thanks for having me on. You know, just getting ready for uh, Super Bowl in a couple of weeks in Vegas. That'll be, you know, four days in Vegas is about too, too many days in Vegas. And then, uh, yeah, we got combine and, then, and the draft and everything. So I'm looking forward to it. How about you? I mean, I'm I'm doing well. I mean, four days in Vegas is too much. It is a little much. Usually by about day three, you're like, all right, I've spent a lot of money. I'm nothing but tired, but I can't go to sleep here. Exactly. I guess that is a uh, that's a good estimation of Vegas. Well, we got to ask you some questions about the Chicago Bears team because I feel like they are a little bit uh, past sleep with uh, all the moves that they've made here. Maybe a little bit tired coming into this, but a long off season to go. But I want to start off with some of the moves they've made here, especially with the coaching staff that they've put together. It seems like. Everybody has their own opinion of where this coaching staff is going to go as far as the quarterback position, how they're going to develop quarterbacks, different things. When you see the staff that's in place right now, how do you feel about what the Bears are building? Yeah, I think you got to be really, really encouraged here. You know, I think there was understandable concern from some folks of, hey, is it going to be a challenge to hire a new offensive staff just because of all that transpired, all the coaching openings, you know, a a ton of head coach spots, obviously some OC spots. But I think you have to be pumped about getting Shane Waldron in the building, uh, a guy that has worked with, you know, before Seattle. You also had him in L.A. with the Rams, with Jared Goff yeah. and Matthew Stafford. Then you go to Seattle, you got Geno Smith. Um, obviously, the resurgence there, uh, you know, transitioning from the Russell Wilson era. And he's done a lot of great work. He's helped these guys, you know, lower their average time to throw, lower their pressure to sack rate, uh, but still attack downfield. So you're still explosive, but you're limiting those negatives. You're, you're, you're working around the quarterback skill set. Um, you know, he, he is a I thought he was a potential head coach candidate. So very, very excited about that. And then, yeah, bring bring some of his guys with him. Uh, I don't think he's done bringing Seattle Seahawks uh, staffers with him as well. I think we're going to see more additions in the coming days and weeks. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how they continue to build this staff out. But I think the fact that the offensive staff that we're seeing right now seems like it's very geared towards the development of a quarterback. Where's kind of your thought process on the whole quarterback conversation? Do you feel like the Bears are leaning more towards keeping fields with some of these moves, or do you feel like this is a, you got to bring in a new young quarterback to pair with these guys? So that is the beauty of the hire as well, right? Where they came in the press conference and they said, the number one thing we're looking for is a guy that can work with any kind of quarterback and just, you know, help accentuate their positives and limit their negatives. And they stuck 
talk to that because that is Shane Waldron. He works at Quarterback Collective, which is this quarterback training you know, guru place. And it's funny, yeah. if you go on QBCollective.com, the homepage is Justin Fields. Uh, they also do work with, with, with Caleb Williams now. He's been training with some of their guys there. So not tipping their hand and really not like forcing themselves down a certain lane. I do think to a degree you bring in a guy like Thomas Brown, who, who was an assistant head coach with the Rams. Yes, he was the OC last year in Carolina. It wasn't pretty, but a very, very highly regarded coach to also now join this staff. I know this is, splits the fan base in half. A lot of people are about to close the window when I say this, but I, I just think it looks like a very attractive spot for guys to coach a number one overall pick and then maybe go, go on to be head coaches you know, pretty quickly after that. Well, I think that's the interesting part about this whole thing, right, is it seems like there's a path to success in both routes here. I think that's the part where a lot of Bears fans, there's. I, I want Justin Fields to be here. I'm a Fields guy. I feel like he can develop with the staff we have in place. If Ryan Poles decides to go out and get Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever it may be, I feel like that quarterback can develop with the staff we have in place. So I think that's the part that's that's often tough for a lot of Bears fans. The stomach is that, there seems to be a path to success in both options. It's not a clear cut. Nah, this guy sucks and this guy's great. And if it's if that guy sucks and that guy's great, we go with that guy. No, 100%, right? You have two top 10 picks. Either you use them on a quarterback and still a very, very talented player at ninth overall. Or, of course, you get a bounty of draft picks and do a whole lot of different things and, and build this roster out at every other position. So, yeah, we really should be, you know, I feel like it's classic Bears fan fashion. We should just be sitting back, enjoying it, appreciating that any <laughs> path we take is probably a path shooting in the, in the positive direction. But, you know, we, we like to argue a little bit instead. We've never had a conversation this great. I've said this uh, a couple times on the pod that as Bears fans, right, like be appreciative that we're having the conversation on do we want to keep Justin Fields, who seems like a quarterback that can lead to winning in the future, or do we want to go get the number one overall pick at quarterback who seems like a quarterback who could lead the way to the future? Like we've been arguing Rex Grossman and Kyle Orton in our past, guys. You know what I mean? Like we've, we've argued Jay Cutler and Josh McCown. It's this is good conversation to have. What I do want to get into a little bit with you, though, is some of the cap implications that could happen, I guess, if you do keep Justin Fields. And of course, if you do end up moving on from him, let's start with keeping Justin Fields. If the Bears were to keep Justin Fields, but possibly you know, and possibly just have a quarterback, maybe they take somebody later on. You trade their first overall pick and you have him develop under Fields. Do you think that it's possible to still build out a successful team right away in that situation, knowing that you're going to have to probably pick up that fifth year option? Yeah. So you'd obviously have in, in this scenario a ton of draft capital. You know, I do think you're probably trading down at that point a little bit. If you want to get the full bounty, maybe like six with the Giants, eight with Atlanta. If you want to look yeah. to a similar package from last year where you're getting, you know, first, seconds, and an all pro, pro bowl level talent, um, you know, at, at a premium position. So, you know, I, I see a lot of like, hey, we'll go down one spot with Washington and get three first round picks. I don't know. Maybe, maybe one. Um, <laughs> So, I mean, in theory, yes, but it would still be a developmental roster, right? Because we're still talking about rookies coming in. And look, there are rookies that hit the ground running. If they did get a Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors type player, I think that guy would be a factor immediately. Um, and they, of course, can spend in free agency. But as we've seen time and time again, there's not really any sure things in free agency. The last piece would be, yeah, if you get a trade where you bring in another veteran, you know, you're bringing in an elite defensive lineman to pair with Montez Sweat or another receiver or a blue chip tackle or, or you know, whatever hypothetically you want to go down, but realistically more so 
I think it's still about building to the future. You have all these assets now, which gives you flexibility because with more cheap rookies, you can spend more, you know, elsewhere. I I don't know if it maximizes 2024 per se, but it, but it certainly raises the floor. I, I think a good bit. Does trading Justin Fields, in your opinion, maximize the floor? You're still getting some draft capital there, probably not no anywhere near the same hall as the first overall pick, but now you've got a quarterback under right resetting that QB clock. He's going to be under that rookie contract instead, which is the highest paid position on the field instead of going out and paying Justin Fields. And, and this is where I think it's just fascinating because we, historically the number one overall pick is going to the worst team in the NFL, right? And, and the Bears yeah. obviously are picking ninth, but we, we all saw the end of the season. They played like a, you know, at least like average NFL team for the last, you know, six, eight games. So this player is stepping into an infinitely better situation than most first overall pick quarterbacks are. And I think that is very, very appealing. I think you are getting a second-round pick and maybe a little bit more for Justin Fields. So, again, a good football player joins the squad. Uh, you know, obviously all the rookie conditions. But, right. but yeah, I think there it's like 2025 immediately. If this quarterback plays well and you see flashes, you're already like not only a playoff like maker. We want to be like winning playoff games hypothetically in the second year of this guy's deal. If he shows he's a good player – you know, like not maybe the Khalil Mack trade to that level, but you get aggressive, right? You're spending yeah. on premium talent because you know, all right, we have a cheap quarterback because of the rookie deal, and we have a lot of really good football players across this roster already. Yeah, I think you're you're immediately competing, you know, pretty much right away. It's it's so interesting too, right? Because I, I think that that's what this team needs, no matter what, to me coming into this season. I understand, right? We're talking about a rookie quarterback coming in and it's going to be very different. But like you said, not going to the worst team in the NFL. So with that, you kind of look at this and say, hey, you should be able to hit the ground running a little bit at the quarterback position. There's going to be, of course, a learning curve, but you should be able to have some kind of success here early on if guys are doing their job the right way. Do you think that that needs to happen for us not to continue the cycle of, well, they lost, the the team got a little bit worse, or the team stayed at seven wins, so now we're going to fire Flus and we're going to go get our guy who could be Ben Johnson now because the, the options are open now. Bill Belichick still out there. There's options now. Yeah, it's interesting. I think looking at win-loss would be different than just like how they perform. You know, obviously you win a bunch of games at the end of the year, not taking away from those because you dominated a bunch of teams. And, right. you know, NFC Championship participant in Detroit, you were better than for, I don't know, you know, out of 120 minutes, probably 115. three quarters, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So, so like there are, you know, there's a lot there. But I would still say, let's say they go 7-10 and 10 again. But the offense is way better. And the rookie quarterback plays like you see clear signs of this guy is going to be a dude. He, the game is not too fast for him. He's playing both within and outside of structure. But it's funny, like you mentioned, like you look historically like the Josh Allen's of the world, the guys that take two, three years to develop. They go get a Stephon Diggs to help that. They already had DJ Moore. Or they use a first-round pick on a tackle. They already have that with Darnell Wright. So, like, they've already kind of made the moves that we see after a rookie quarterback joins. They've already kind of done it beforehand. Um, so, yeah, record-wise, it could be similar. Um, I, I just think you need to see clear progression and growth. But, hey, I, I mean, you know, don't don't close the door on, you know, going after a Ben Johnson if he wants the job. It's it's so interesting because I, I keep saying, right, like it, it's in polls we trust over here on the on the Bears podcast because it seems like every time I question one of his moves, the one move I questioned was you didn't pick up the phone to call Jim Harbaugh, my guy. Like you could have at least get a no. Yeah, I mean, don't, don't just not bow out on the date. At least and let her tell you she doesn't want to go out with you first. Yeah, I mean, but it, it's it's so interesting. Oh, breaking news. Commanders to hire Dan Quinn. That's uh that's very interesting there. 
Uh, did not see that coming. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but I, I think that, right, when you see now how it's kind of played out with Ben Johnson staying in Detroit, Bill Belichick not getting a job, some of those names that we thought, for sure, this guy's going to have a job. He's not going to be available. You missed your window. Did Did the moments now make you feel a lot more confident in Ryan Poles moving forward? Because it seems like another moment for me where – it seems like he's gotten his coach decision right. Yeah, you know, I will say this too. Like, not to, Brian Poles runs football for sure, but I think Kevin Warren and George McCaskey probably need to sign off of something to the magnitude of a Jim Harbaugh. Yeah. But yeah, I think the big thing for me was once they hired Shane Waldron at OC and, like I said, added Thomas Brown, um, Chad Morton, a bunch of guys have continued to add, Kerry Joseph, a QB's coach. Like, they're building out this, not only having one OC, but like hypothetically, Waldron gets hired as a head coach somewhere. Thomas Brown could just step in and be your OC. Like you have like succession plan already in place. So I think that's the big thing for me. But it is a good question, right? Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick down in Houston stays with, you know, CJ Stroud. That was another great one. Yeah. Yeah. Guys that we thought were going to get a bunch of interviews and maybe take head coaching jobs. So. Yeah, you know, I, I think he trusted that, you know, look, we, we're building something here. I believe in what we're doing, and I think we can attract a very, very talented offensive coach. I think Flus has shown he'll let that guy run his side of the ball, um, which probably makes it more attractive as well to a degree. So, yeah, I, I think in hindsight now, I, I, you can't really, you know, nitpick what they did. I, th- I think it was a success. Now, you're you're a big logic guy here, but I like to, I like to pull at the heartstrings here on the pod, dog. So I got to ask you. Logically, right, you've said it means it seems like the Bears are probably going to want to take the first overall pick. What do you want? What what does Brad want? What does Brad want to see the Chicago Bears do here? So I will say this, like, you know, I probably get lumped in with a lot of quote unquote analytics folks or think that I, I make every decision off a spreadsheet and stuff like that. Like. The human dynamic and the locker room elements and all of those things, it matters. If, you, if you're an analyst that says it doesn't, like you're doing incomplete work and you're just ignoring real variables. And I had someone tell me uh, in Hallis Hall, midseason probably, maybe November, December, they're like, Justin Fields isn't part of the culture. Justin Fields is the culture of the Chicago Bears. <laughs> like that, 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 that was the quote. So I and, and I appreciate that. And, and I understand, too, that. Look, he was handed a raw deal. I mean, 2021 and 2022, the talent he was working with, the dynamic in the building with the coaching staff that was clearly on the hot seat and trying to trying to keep their jobs and, and save everything, it was unfair. The 2022 roster, I mean, at least per our data, had a bottom five offensive line and maybe the worst weaponry in the entire NFL. So no one's going to be successful in those conditions. I, I love Justin Fields. I know why there's a Fields cult or whatever in Chicago. I just am at the belief now, though, this is where the, you know, the logic and the, the cap guy and all that kicks in. Like, yeah, I, I just think the pro- I'll say this. If they were picking third overall, I wouldn't even talk about it. I wouldn't be like, oh, maybe they take Jane Daniels, who I do like a lot, or Drake May, I like who I also yeah. think is a good prospect. I was just like, nope, we're taking Marvin Harrison Jr. We're letting this thing ride. I, I just I, I watch Caleb Williams tape and, and I just he's a stud. <laughs> I, I've I've said the same thing. You know, I, I think that he does a lot of the things that Justin Fields does do, but it it does seem like they're at similar levels right now, where one's coming out of college and one's in year three, and one has gotten screwed over it to me in the three years that he's been in the NFL. There's no doubt about it. Justin Fields is in a situation where I would dare any quarterback to come to and and be successful. Right. And, and yes, there are moments where it is on him, but I think that there are more moments where it is on the coaching staff and it's going to be tough for me to, to not have Justin on the bears, because I think, like you said, he is the culture of this team. And I've never, me and Courtney have both talked about this. 
have you ever seen a locker room rally around a guy like this Bears locker room is rallying around Justin? I don't think I've ever seen this in my time watching the NFL, covering the NFL, anything. Yeah, I, I'm with you, right? Where, where like they clearly just believe in the person so, so much. And again, like you said, they, obviously some mistakes are on him. I don't think anyone's denying that. But also he's a guy who steps up and immediately attacks accountability. I forget what game it was. It was early in the year. But it was a drop from, I think, Tyler Scott or maybe Darnell Mooney. And he was like, it was my yeah. fault. It was clearly not his fault. Like, it was a, it was a <laughs> the pass was fine. But, like, that's huge. Like, that, that stuff resonates. And, and, like, the intangibles and all that, he is a 99 out of, out of 100. Like, like, it's as good as you could possibly get from that standpoint, which does make the entire decision that much harder. The only thing I would push back on is, like, the whole, like, losing the locker room stuff like that. Like, I, I don't know if – it's definitely you – have, you have to make sure – you manage things appropriately. You're, you're talking with your players. You're honest and forthright with them. But I don't think like there's going to be like a mutiny and, and a coup if, if, if they decide to make a business decision to go a different direction. But but yeah, no, I, I really don't think I have. It's 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 such an interesting situation with Justin. We'll see what it ends up being. I think what's what the part a lot of times the Bears fans do forget about is it's not all the quarterback position. There's a lot of needs to fill here in Chicago still. So I want to talk about some of the free agent targets and whether you feel they should go free agent or whether they should go in the draft with this. And I I think the most important position, no matter what it is right now, is that center position. Do you feel like the Bears should look at some of the free agent centers that are available there? Maybe bring over an Evan Brown who was out with uh, Shane Waldron in Seattle. Or do you feel like this is a position where it's it's such a market where you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, they, he, he plays center, that you're more willing to go to the draft for this. I think they should go in free agency, right? Where it, it actually lines up very nicely for them. There are a ton of quality centers available in free agency, not guys that are going to get tagged. That's just not how the position right. works. Um, you mentioned you know, Evan Brown in Seattle. Coleman Shelton with the Los Angeles Rams, going to be a free agent most likely. He has like an opt-out in his contract, but I think he's earned a bigger payday he also played with Shane Waldron for several years, is a fit in this outside zone system, can play a little bit of guard as well if you need to kind of move things around. So two guys that know Shane Waldron personally and played for him are probably going to be you know free agents. And there's more guys too beyond that. Aaron Brewer in Tennessee is a scheme fit. Obviously played with Nate Davis for a couple of years, so it makes sense. He fits what they're trying to do. You go down the list, there's so many guys that are potentially available. Higher end, like a Lloyd Cushenberry out of Denver would be probably the biggest expenditure you're going to make there. Andre James in Las Vegas. Like, I could sit here and name free agent centers that are clear market upgrades over what they had. And I think this is the big thing for me with, with the whole draft conversation. A rookie center with either Fields or a rookie quarterback, it just adds a whole other complication to the whole operation. So that, that's why I think you go veteran there and you draft other positions, you know, come April. When you look at the wide receiver room, there's an opportunity for the Chicago Bears sitting at one and nine, possibly to go quarterback and go receiver. Um, is that something that you expect them to do in this draft? Or is that a place where you'd want to see some free agents? Because the, the wide receiver free agent list, I mean, I think this is probably one of the best we've seen in a little while here, free agent wise. It is a great list. Unfortunately for those guys, the franchise tag is part of the equation, uh, unlike center. So <laughs> like T Higgins and Michael Pittman, like I think there's probably a close to 0% chance they actually reach the market. Mike Evans mm. is intriguing, of course, but you know, 30 year old receiver, Ryan Poles has shown us time and time again, he's trying to get young, trying to build yeah. out for the future. So I, I just don't know if he's in the, his plans, but 
I do think uh, a guy like Curtis Samuel is very interesting to me. Only 27 years old, looking for his third contract. He's like best friends with DJ Moore from their time in Carolina together. And I think he fills an interesting role where he can take a couple carries in a game. Like he, he has that ability. He can be a deep threat. He can win over the middle. He can he can make guys miss in space underneath. Like he adds a different element to this offense. Had a very good year in Washington this past year. And I think would just be like a nice second addition. But for me, if I'm sitting there at nine, I'm just praying the entire time that Romo Dunze from Washington is, is still on the board when I'm making my pick. And I, if he is, it's the fastest draft pick in NFL history. <laughs> Six, you, so you're you're more willing to go uh, um, at nine wide receiver over potentially trying to move up and get one of the left tackles because I think that that's still a position of need. I know PFF is a fan of Braxton Jones's, but I'm I, I'm not personal. <laughs> yeah, so Braxton's interesting. Where I, I still think his issue is losing to power and, and speed to power. Like, yes. like his anchor is not super strong, but you know it's a fifth fifth rounder out of Southern Utah, and I think so much else of what he does is very very good. He's great in space again. Can pull. Um, can do a lot of different things. I, you know, I hear you that he lost some matchups. You know, like Miles Garrett, who obviously kills everyone, but kills everyone. Yeah, like but that, that it wasn't pretty, right? So. I do get that. I wouldn't be mad, per se, if they went that direction. But here's the beauty of it all, really. Both tackle and wide receiver in this class. You're getting starting-level talent in the second round, maybe even a third round. So whichever way they go, I'm not mad. I'm just saying, okay, with that next pick, you better take a – you know, whatever the other thing is, you better take that next. <laughs> yeah, listen, if, if Roma Dunze is there, it's tough to, to not pick him. Like, he's – six four four three. actually has – like, he's Quentin Johnston, but, like, I'm very confident that he's going to catch the football. Which you know I mean, like that, the operation. That's the, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean, that's that's the part for me where I get excited about Roma Dunze coming in. But I do think you still need probably that veteran outside of DJ Moore that's also going to be there. Let me ask you this: Does it make sense for the Chicago Bears to try and re-sign Darnell Mooney and see if there's kind of a reclamation if you're going to go out and get? Right, a Curtis Samuel or something like that. Maybe Mooney commands similar money in that kind of situation. Yeah, they definitely shouldn't close the door. I mean, this is a homegrown guy that is, by all accounts, one of the hardest working guys in the entire building from the moment he, he got drafted to, to today. You know, this past year was tough. No one's denying that. He probably wouldn't deny it. But we're dealing with some injuries, kind of just couldn't get on the same page. Like, contested catch stuff often is not stable and, and kind of swings with variance. He just a lot of those 50-50 balls just didn't go his way this year, but we have plenty of historical evidence that he can win at the catch point and, and make plays like that. So I certainly would not close the door. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't say I expect it either. It's it's so weird because it feels like a lot of the it felt like there was a, a a politic decision made in that, right? Like when I see Tyler Scott streaking down the left side against Detroit. I'm I'm sitting here I'm like isn't that Mooney? Like isn't that supposed to be Darnell or are we just off of Darnell Mooney, right? Like I feel like so many of the moments that were Darnell Mooney ended up going to Tyler Scott last year who was a rookie that I think excellent footwork, got off the line well, did a good job attacking, but like you said, the most important part of this game is catching the football and he just didn't do that enough and I it, it's really weird to kind of see how how quickly almost they went away from Darnell Mooney in certain situations. But I think now, right, with where this Bears team is at offensively, they have an opportunity to improve vastly, very quickly. On the defensive side, there's one name that everybody's going to be listening in on for your assessment of it, right? When's Jalen Johnson getting his money? How much money should we be looking to pay Jalen Johnson? And, uh, is he a long-term deal or does he try to get himself in another 
kind of, I got another contract coming my way. He should. Well, obviously, you know, the player wants to go shorter. Uh, you know, the team obviously wants to go longer. He's only 24 years old. I guess he'll be 25 yes. by week one next year. But that's a young, you know, pending free agent at corner. He was our highest graded corner in the entire NFL this year. Um, mm. You know, made plays in the ball because kind of, you know, the, the ball production was one maybe knock you could have on him. Um, and, and he honestly could have had even more interceptions. Like there were pass breakups beyond the pick. So, you know, I think at this point, Ryan Poles obviously said, like, he's not going anywhere. We're keeping him. I think they kind of lost this one, right? Like they, they tried to kind of get a, a a deal in the middle between both parties at, at the yeah. deadline. He obviously makes the trade request. They don't trade him. And, uh, you know, they probably should have been like, hey, he's going to get Pro Bowl honors, maybe get first, second team all pro honors. We should just strike a deal before you know the price only increases. And, and you know, I think they just lost the negotiation. Maybe the administration department just just was trying to stick too hard to their number. And, and that, that, that department needs to understand you got you to wiggle a little bit sometimes. So at this point, I do think a franchise tag probably happens. Um, you know, even we'll say this still with the idea that you get a, a long-term deal done before you know the July fifteenth deadline. But right. Jalen J- Johnson himself was on the radio the other day saying he wants to be the highest-paid corner in, the, in football, and he doesn't understand why he wouldn't be. I think if the Bears viewed him in that light, he'd already be extended. So you know th- th- that's kind of how I read it now. But still, uh, you're talking you know four years, eighty million type type of deal. Um, Chicago might just have to go ahead and bite the bullet because yeah, they just they, they took a gamble, they made a bet, and, and they lost. And and I think what's interesting is right how what what is the gap between him and Jair? Jair currently the highest paid uh, uh, corner in the NFL right now, and to me. I think he's gotten his money and completely fallen off a cliff. He has those flash moments, but he hasn't been the same DB that they were so excited to go pay. What's kind of the gap between where he is and where Jalen Johnson is right now? Yeah, and that's kind of the variant nature of that position. It, it, it's a scary spot to, you know, again, he's earned his money, but you see from their right. perspective, they could say, ah, he's missing three, four games a year because of injuries. You know, the end of the year this year was the shoulder on a fairly routine tackle, you know, on the right uh, side of the line and, 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 you know, didn't play that last game against Green Bay, which you saw, right? I mean, they only scored 17 points, but they were moving the ball through the air pretty much at will. So, like, you see why they have some hesitation and reservations, but no, he's in that class. He was, you know, a, clearly one of the best cornerbacks in all of football this year. And I remember quotes from, like, what is his second year when Cooper Cup was talking about how good Jalen Johnson was. You remember that? Like, it's like he's yeah. always been that guy. And, and I loved him pushing back. I'm not like making fun of the reporter, but when they asked him, like, you know, why are you like Trevon Diggs? That's a perfect example of where, like, Trevon Diggs had his year with 13 picks, one of the greatest seasons, like, for a corner ever, sure. We had him letting up more than 1,000 receiving yards that year. So, like, Jalen Johnson thought is like, all right, I'll have zero picks, but I'm going to let up 500 receiving yards. And it's just different ways to, you know, kind of go about it. So, no, he, he's in that class. He is he is a top 10 corner in the NFL. There, there's not really a debate. Yeah, it's so interesting, too, because that, that was the one question, right? Can he get the takeaways but you also see him doing what you said, right? Where he's getting the the coverage numbers, he's getting the pass breakup numbers, and there's no pass rush. That's you key. gave him. Yeah. You gave him an ounce of a pass rush, and all of a sudden, <laughs> now it's no question that this guy's a top five corner in the NFL. All of a sudden, and everybody's like, "Wow, how did we miss out on paying him?" It's like, well, you, you got there. There's reasons why these guys become good. I think that pass rush is a good place to focus in on next, right? Because that's the biggest question here. When you look at some of the pass rushers that are available out there, I think you could even bring trade into this, right? With depending on what you do with Justin Fields and or the pick, 
What do you feel the best route is for the Bears to get guys who can generate pressure coming into next season? Yeah, because you do want to add more, and it is a great shout on Jalen. I mean, he's operating behind the – we had them 32nd in pass rush win rate and pressure rate last year. Like, you know, Tremont Diggs getting picks because Michael Parsons is living in the quarterback's lap. Like, it helps. So, um, yeah, I, I think that they, again, this one, I don't love a pick at nine. There are some some good players in this class. Like, Latu Latu at UCLA is my favorite edge rusher in this class. But, you know, medical retirement at some point in his career. Obviously, Jalen Phillips in Miami was the same situation. Went 18th overall, and Miami probably w- would make that pick every single time again. Um, Dallas Turner, to me, he did add a bunch of weight, but he was an outside linebacker to me before this past year. Maybe, you know, th- they'll go that direction because he did bulk up a little bit. But, you know, we know Matt Eberflus wants to have those – you know, 265, 270 pound defensive end type players. So yeah. that being said, um, you know, I, I think you do maybe look more to free agency. One guy that sticks out to me uh, just as a pure pass rusher is Bryce Huff with the New York Jets. It's kind of funny. It's akin to like Pernell McPhee coming to the Bears however many years Ooh. ago. Yeah, and look, he had juice. I loved Pernell McPhee, but he was he was very injury prone. But I love Pernell McPhee. Before the knees let him down, he, yeah, he had some yes. juice, right? So yeah, like, <laughs> and, and he's a guy where he might not play a ton of early downs. He might only be getting 500, 600 snaps, you know, on the season. But the highest pass rush win rate in the entire NFL two years in a row for us. And yes, it's in part because he's being deployed on obvious passing downs and all that. It, it, you know, there's context there, but. If you want to bring in a guy that's just a mercenary elite pass rusher, and then you have a good stout run defense like a Montez Sweat on the edge, and of course yeah. the interior, he, he jumps out to me as just a super intriguing option. Former undrafted guy. He'll get a good bag, but he's not going to make some gigantic, gigantic contract. I think that is where you win is those type of players in free agency. So he jumps out to me as a guy they should at least be calling about. A lot of people, the name that they're going to look at, right, especially at this three-technique spot where the Bears – I think is the linchpin of this Bears defense, right? Is Chris Jones's name. Chris Jones is going to command the bag, but as Lance Briggs said, uh, he's worth every single penny of it. He doesn't seem like a guy who's slowing down anytime soon. Do you feel like that is a name that the Chiefs are? I mean, thirty-three million. They can't franchise tag this guy at thirty-three million, right? Like they're not they're not that crazy here to just run it back. Do you think he's going to become a free agent? And should the Bears be on his uh, on his phone? They could, which which is crazy because it's Kansas City. But that, that's how good they've been at managing the cap. You know, the last so, however many odd years they could, if they wanted to, they they could find a way to do it. So, but I'm not sure if they want to. And this is an interesting one, of course. There's the obvious connection to Ryan Poles. He is, like you said, I don't think there's any signs of him slowing down, but he will be 30 years old in week one of next year. Um, But we've seen that position in particular. Guys age very, very well and play good football into their early, you know, mid-30s. So, again, that doesn't guarantee any success, but I think he'll be a good player for two, three more years. And frankly, no free agent is a guarantee, like we said. At least have the conversation. At least talk to him, see how things are going. It'd be negligent not to at least hear him out um, because, yeah, he he is – Maybe now, and look, trust me, I think Aaron Donald's maybe the best defensive player of all time. I think Chris Jones yeah. is now the best interior defender in the NFL. I mean, he is a freak. You also see him, he lines up as a five-tech or a seven-tech a good amount like and, and wins against tackles, like genuinely bends the edge and flattens his arc and wins. It's insane. So got to talk to him. Um, and then Justin Matabike for the Baltimore Ravens, the other big-ticket name, got to talk to him as well. If he makes it to free agency, you, you got to at least see what the, the, the price is there. 
is is there is Chris Jones more of reality if you end up moving on from Justin than if you end up keeping Justin because of committing the money to Justin Fields? You probably can make that case, right? Because if you are going to keep Justin Fields, you have to pick up the fifth year option. I've heard people talk about, oh, you don't have, yeah, you do. It would be insane to trade the number one overall pick two years in a row and then not pick up the fifth year option on Justin Fields. So that's about $22, $23 million fully guaranteed in 2025. So yeah, if you do that, it definitely changes your, you know, your approach to free agency. It's going to be interesting, so interesting to really see what the Bears are going to do here in the offseason. I guess if you had to come out of this offseason free agent-wise with one name, what's the name that sticks out to you that's not currently on the Bears? Right? I think we all think Jalen Johnson needs to be re-signed here, but that's not currently on the Bears. If you look at this free agency for the Bears right now and say, that's the one guy I need the Bears to have. When this is when the dust settles, who's that guy for you? If I went high side, I really do think it probably is Justin Medibike with the Baltimore Ravens. I think he is that three tech, like you're saying, that, that is the foundational cornerstone piece of a Matt Eberflus defense. Only 26 years old right now. He had a breakout year this year, and I, it's always a funny question I get. Like, do you think guys that have contract years, is, there, is it a red flag potentially? They're all yeah. different. It's a case by case basis. And when I watched Justin Medibike in his early years, he still had a ton of pursuit tackles. Like, he still had a high motor every single snap, never taking a snap off. I think this year he just added more to his pass rush arsenal. You obviously bring in Mike McDonald, who's now the Seattle Seahawks head coach. But you just saw a better uh, a better rush plan from him, a uh, better use of his hands, better counters to, to original moves. I think he just got better and just developed. So uh, I think for me, if I had to say one, it's Justin Matabike with the Baltimore Ravens. He's going to be... He would be a monster in this system. I didn't, don't excite me, dog. I'm out here. <laughs> I need. I, I. There's a part of me, right? As a Bears fan, I think we all go through this. You want offense because we've never had offense, but the enticement of an elite three technique making this four three forty two nickel type defense just great again in Chicago is just so exciting. And you, I, I think it's going to be the hardest part for the Bears is going to be making sure that with a defensive head coach, they're still focusing enough money to the offensive side. Don't always try to go cheap on the offensive side. Don't always try to go young on the offensive side because on the defensive side, that's where they're spending their money. You got Tremaine Edmonds. You got TJ Edwards. Uh, you go out and you get sweat. That's the big money guy. You're probably paying Jalen Johnson, who, like you said, maybe a franchise, which I'd be interested to see what that's going to end up being. But right, like they're spending money on that side. It seems a little thin on the offensive side, right? No now. doubt about it. And they definitely should, right? We talked about the interior of the offensive line. They should attack that position group. No doubt about it. Um, receivers, again, they should, but I just think it's going to be more mid-tier options. But then that's also for for me, like the draft, let's say they get a second for Fields. I want the first overall pick, the ninth overall pick, and that second rounder all being spent on offense. Uh, yeah. You know, so so, but but I hear you for sure. Where where do you what kind of draft capital do you think is coming back if the Bears were to move off Justin Fields? I think it's a second round pick is is the the starter, and then you add some change, right? Like I, I just look at the Sam Darnold trade; it's the exact same same off season, all those things. You got a second, a fourth, and a sixth. I think if you're Chicago, you're that that's like your baseline you're trying to work off of. Um, the second there was a future second, so maybe if you get a, a current year second, it's a, it's viewed a little bit more you know more positively from Chicago's perspective. But th- that right in that wheelhouse is what I'm shooting for. Yeah, if if they can. I don't know, man. The enticement of building out my whole team, that that first round pick, yes, you're going young, but like I think that's how the San Francisco's do it. That's how the Kansas Cities do it. That that's long-term success. You're building something where then you can go get your third round quarterback. 
and he's successful. Now you can go get your Dak Prescott. You can go get your Brock Purdy, and he's successful. But we'll see, man. It's it's going to be interesting to see kind of how the Bears, like I said, attack this offseason. I think that we're going to have a ton of Bears news to break down, and we're probably going to need to utilize you a little bit more. So hopefully, Brad, we can get you back on the show. Let the people know where they can keep up with you, though. Let the people know where they can find you and, uh, you know, what what you got coming out. Yeah, absolutely. Got to come back once things start happening. Like you said, it might be the most, you know, news-centric team of the entire offseason. So, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad, and I'm, of course, putting out all my content on PFF.com. The free agent, 150 uh, top 150 free agents is my baby. Uh, that'll be out to 250, 300 by the time uh, free agency rolls around. So uh, please check that out. Make sure to tune in with them over at PFF. Brad Spielberger, analyst, Esquire, salary cap dominant guy. I mean, love having them on. Appreciate you for tuning in and appreciate you guys for watching. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page, leave that five-star review. You guys know what to do. As always, it's your boy, Path the Designer, back at it again. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear down. Peace.